Hey everybody, welcome to episode 11 of the Learn or Be Learned podcast. I'm your host Shane Callahan here and uh, today's episode is going to be uh, an interesting one because I'm going to talk about a book. So this is going to be a book review and the book's called Power Versus Force, The Hidden uh, Determinants of Human Behavior and it's written by David R. Hawkins uh, who has an MD and a PhD. And, um, on top of the book, after I finished reviewing it, we're going to talk about impatience and the blessings of being an impatient person. Um, I like the irony in things, so we'll get to it. Uh, starting off with the book, um, uh, this book is, it's very interesting. It brings a lot of different perspectives that you wouldn't think about in any other, any other self-help book that you would read or pick up. Um, Mr. Hawkins or Dr. Hawkins, I should say, is trying to, um, he's trying to bring in a sort of invisible science. I should, I, I, I don't know how to describe it that well, but the, like the title says power versus force. He's trying to bring to life something that isn't seen it's only felt um if you're big into yoga and um big into buddhism and you know karma and stuff like that it's all about how you react with nature and react with life or interact i should say not react but interact and he's trying to prove that there's this thing called power and there's this thing called force and they're total separate entities and human behavior revolves around one or the other and our own decisions are what reflect upon uh, power or force. Um, if you choose to force your way through something, you're going to meet more resistance. But if you choose to um, revolve yourself around power or you allow power uh, to flow, then your life will then flow. Then that's just short, you know, uh, spark notes version. And the really and it's most interesting, interesting chapter was the athletic chapter, the sports chapter. And he talks about professional athletes and um, how professional athletes at the highest level perform so well. Uh, the reason he believes is because um, they think they are giving a gift of themselves to the world. And they're not, they're not doing it selfishly. They're doing it selflessly. Like they, they have this gift they were born with, whether it be a talent, whether they, they built the skill to become as good as they were or are, um, they believe wholeheartedly that they need to show this gift or show themselves to the world and show what the human body can do and, and push the limits of the human body and be grateful for what they have. Um, and again, like I said, this is, this is not them gloating about what they have and trying to show off. This is them merely inspiring other people to do great things, you know, within themselves. And, um, so that's where he, he kind of talks about that, uh, in a wholesome, you know, in a very wholesome way. He also brings in the opposite effect of how, uh, media and sometimes, um, sponsorships can ruin an athlete and make an athlete feel, self-centered and cocky and, um, feel like the athlete is owed something because of his great talent or great skill and how a lot of athletes that feel like they're owed something then begin to tumble and get into trouble. Not necessarily like actual trouble, but become, 
um, more reliant upon their image and start asking like almost in a demanding way, um, what can people do for them and not what can they do for people? So I, like I said, I find it a very, um, interesting book because of the perspectives and, um, kind of digging into this more, like I said, since it is about kind of like feelings and, uh, it's not exact, exactly science based. He's trying to make it science based. He's trying to prove a point. Um, it's, there's little validity to it. And that's what kind of makes this interesting is the amount of points he makes. And, um, they're very reasonable points and they, they're kind of intuitively, they make sense when you read through it and you kind of reflect upon your own life, you realize that in a lot of ways the book makes sense, but then in a lot of ways, scientifically it doesn't make sense because you can't exactly prove that that gut feeling you have or um, the reason why athletes play so much better because they're giving more of themselves to the world. You know, there's, there's science behind why athletes are better and there's physics behind it. And um, for instance, you know, Michael Phelps, a lot of people, I, he's mind blowing, great swimmer, of course. And a lot of people are wondering like, okay, what makes him such a great swimmer? People kind of broke, broke his body down and they found out that he was built for swimming. Um, he has double jointed, uh, shoulders. So he has a better reach and then he has, um, more flexible ankles. So he has literally fins on his feet because his, um, his feet, when, he, when they're pointed can go about 30 degrees further than an average human foot. Uh, he has a really long torso, which is great for his butterfly event that he always swam. Um, butterflyers need the torso, need that core strength to get up out of the water. And it was easier for him to do that because of how long his torso was and his short legs. And, uh, his, yeah, I, I guess the, another thing too would be the width of his, um, his arms. So technically your the width of your arms from fingertip to fingertip is the exact same as your height, uh, give or take. But his was like six inches greater than his height. So he was already standing at, I think he's at like six, eight, six, nine, and his wingspan was seven, two. You can double check me on that. I might be wrong, but he had that greater reach, like I said, but that's just because of how he was built. So science can prove that better athletes are built for that sport. What he was, what this, um, Dr. David here is talking about is not just being built for the sport, but just engulfing yourself with the power that surrounds you with what you want to do and using that power to become great at whatever you're trying to achieve. And, um, he acknowledges that certain people are built for certain things and that they become great because of the way they're built for it. But then he also acknowledges that there are people who are successful that weren't even made for the sport or made for what they're doing, but they were successful because they believed in themselves and they believed in the gift that they were bringing to the world and that they were going to leave the world in a better place. And so that made them, um, that makes people believe in themselves more than what people are you know, made for, if that makes sense. So anyway, uh, like I said, this book is, it's a great book for perspective-based learning. If you want to um, understand and kind of dig into your own, intro, like do some introspection 
and kind of realize like, wow, like I've been really trying to force myself to get through this. Maybe this is why I'm hitting so many roadblocks. And maybe if I change my perspective, do it like, you know, find some altitude or elevation in, or detachment as Jocko would say, detach from your situation and figure out, okay, what do I need to do? Like, why, why is, maybe I shouldn't be forcing myself through this pathway, you know, cause it's exhausting. It's wearing you down, right? It's, it's the grind. Maybe there's a better way to do it, right? If you detach yourself from the situation and you look around, maybe there's a different route, not an easier route, maybe a better route that'll get you there either faster or more efficiently. Um, and that's what, what power is all about. So instead of forcing way through, find the power where it's more fulfilling for you. It's more fulfilling for others. It's going to take a whole load off of your mental capacity, your physical capacity, your, your emotional capacity, and you'll begin to find the flow. And so I'm, I, I would love to, uh, read a quick, um, blurb from the book right now and kind of give you an idea of what he's talking about. The great become legendary when they teach by example. It isn't what they have nor what they do, but what they have become that inspires all of mankind. And that's what we honor in them. We should seek to protect their humility from the forces of exploitation that accompany a claim in the everyday world. We need to educate the public that the abilities of these athletes and their great performances are gifts to mankind to be respected and defended from the abuse of the media and corporate commerce. So that, that paragraph kind of just, just sums up what his objective is when he's writing this book. And this is specifically the chapter on sports and power, but um, you'll see the trend throughout the other chapters as well. Uh, he finishes this chapter with, the nurturing of excellence and recognition of its value is the responsibility of all men because the quest for excellence in any area of human endeavor inspires us all toward the actualization of every form of man's yet unrealized greatness. So I think that's um, kind of really cool. As he finishes that chapter, he's kind of just pointing out that, uh, I shouldn't say kind of, he is pointing out that the quest for excellence for any endeavor. So whatever you're trying to do with your life is toward the actualization of every form of man's yet unrealized greatness. Um, so what does that mean to you? Right. And what does that mean to me? So what that means to me is that there is the unlimited potential that I can tap into. If I solely want to help others and do the best I can to show others, inspire others, motivate others to be the best versions of themselves as well. Um, that is my quest and that is my endeavor. So then within myself, I find the power to always be inspired, always be motivated to do my best, to give everything I have, And from then on, I will have this almost unlimited, unrealized greatness within myself. And what, what, what happens is you'll realize your greatness, but then you'll finally realize that there is more greatness beyond your greatness. That there's, there's more to yourself than what you already know. And that's the point is that he's 
telling you that your potential is limitless. And even when you think you've hit, you know, the top of your game, there's always more that you can achieve. There's always more that you can find within yourself to do um, and, and to accomplish. And that's, you know, going towards any human endeavor, any any career path, any goal that you have. If you want that goal to be a betterment of yourself and a betterment of others, if you're trying to provide for your family, if you want to help your friends out, if you, um, you know, you want to buy your parents a house, a car, um, your siblings something, if you want to be a provider, uh, be that motivator, that foundation for your family and your friends, um, then that endeavor for you, that, that greatness will be unending because you will realize like, wow, I've been able to provide this much. I wonder how much more I can do. You know, people who create foundations to help serve others, um, or bring a service to others or, or bring a product to others, um, in a charitable way, not, you know, trying to rip people off or, or sell something, um, for profit, but in those nonprofits, um, charities, when they are doing it from the kindness of their heart, let's just say those charities become very successful. People want to contribute to those charities. They want to contribute their time and, and volunteer and, and provide a service because one, well, it, it help, you're helping somebody else. You're helping somebody else who needs it. And that makes them better, right? And everybody needs a helping hand every once in a while. But two, it also helps them feel better about serving others. It brings that humbleness. It brings that that gratefulness because they're helping somebody else out. So anyway, um, highly recommend just picking up the book and uh, you don't have to read the whole thing, go chapter to chapter, find what suits you, um, find the chapter that you agree with or don't agree with even, and and kind of just roll through it, take some notes, do some introspection and and figure out what works for you and what doesn't. All right. So with all that being said, um, moving on to the uh, blessings of being an impatient person. And I can talk from experience from here. I am an incredibly impatient person and um, the, my impatience leads me to be resentful, to start regretting, um, to sit past decisions, um, makes me you know, ungrateful. Um, a lot of negative emotions kind of stir up within me when I start thinking about things I don't have. And my impatience starts to kind of get the best of me in a way where um, I start thinking about the have-nots. I don't have this. I don't have that. I'm not there yet. And a lot of it is because I'm comparing myself to others. And um, comparison isn't what stems my impatience. My impatience stems everything else. I'm not happy with where I'm at sometimes. And I see myself, uh, and I, I'm always visualizing myself in a, a position of leadership, a uh, position of helping people. And I have a nice house, a nice car. Uh, and when I say nice car, I'm not like talking about like a $60,000 and up car and even $200,000 car. I'm talking about like having a nice Jeep. I love Jeeps. Uh, so having a nice Jeep and having a, a awesome family and, um, being everything's just taken care of. I'm living like every day is the best day of my life. 
you know, I love my life. I love who I'm with. I'm, I love what I'm doing. And I want that. I want that like tomorrow. And I'm striving, always striving to get there. And so my impatience is always in the back of my mind of like, why aren't you there yet? Why aren't you there yet? Why aren't you there yet? And then when I stem that impatience kind of sits there and I, I start comparing myself to people who are my age, who are younger, who are older and where they're at in life and the decisions that they've made to get where they're at. And then I start kind of thinking about, well, fuck, like if, if I was in the same opportunity they would be in, then I'd be where they're at or even better. And I also think of, you know, if I didn't make that decision in college where maybe if I got a different degree, I have a psych degree. So I, I, if I got a different degree, a business degree or, or economics or something, something other than psych, uh, then I'd be in a better place. And my impatience kind of starts digging this little pit, um, in my mind and I, it's hard to escape out of, uh, of, you know, the, what could be, I could have had, I could have a house right now if I made a better decision back in 2016, I could have a family right now if I made better decisions back in 2017, you know, all of this starts kind of playing into my emotions and I become just very depressed um, very doubtful and, and it goes against everything in my being. So I have this inner conflict where this doubt and this depression kind of rises up within me. And then I have this optimism and this motivation that also kind of battles it. My optimism is, you know, you're not there yet because you're still learning. There's still, you know, there's a, a plan for you that you are still working through. My motivation is, you know, telling my depression and telling everything else that don't worry, we're going to make it one day at a time. That's what my motivation is, is one day at a time, just keep trudging through it. My optimism is it's going to get better. So with that being said, there here's, here's the blessing about impatience. The blessing in impatience is being patient. The blessing in impatience is realizing and reminding yourself what you do have, who you do, or who you are with, and realizing that the decisions you have made aren't negative or not always going to be a negative impact, but a positive impact down the road in the moment. They may seem like a negative impact, but you're going to learn from that experience and you're, you know, a year, two years, five years, you're going to make better decisions from that negative decision. So my impatience then kind of dissolves once I, I start reminding myself of what my ultimate goal is and kind of remind myself of where I'm at in life and that I, I, I am where I am supposed to be. There was one day, um, I went to the Washington coastline. I, I love the Washington coastline. I went there several times when I lived in Washington and I went to this really awesome beach called shy, shy beach. Uh, it's S H I S H I. I've originally pronounced it as Shishi. I've just, in my mind, that made more sense. But then somebody from Washington corrected me and said, it's shy, shy beach. So there you go. Shy, shy beach. If you're ever in Washington state, you have to go to that beach. It is one of the best beaches I've ever been to in my life. I had an amazing experience. Uh, it's an awesome freaking place to be. It's a bit of a hike. You're going to bring some, you know, boots. You're not afraid to get mud on and, uh, or tennis shoes. It's an easy trek through this trail. There's no elevation to it whatsoever but it's just a, uh, probably about two miles and I trudged through some muck. So like I said, bring boots. And, um, 
I didn't know what to expect. I thought that this beach was going to be somewhere I was going to drive up to and then just walk upon it and see a great view. But when I got there, and luckily I I pack accordingly wherever I go, just in case the inevitable happens. And luckily I packed accordingly and put my these awesome boots on and away I went. But um, I didn't know where this place was going to take me. And, and I went on this hike. I thought it was going to be maybe a half mile. And hell no, it was two miles. Luckily I left early enough in the day where I had plenty of sun. Um, and there's nobody, I mean, there's one other, two other cars parked out there. So not many other people were going to be in the area, but, um, anyway, I I hiked out to this beach and you come, it's so awesome. The trail takes you along a cliffside. So after about the two mile mark, you get to a, a cliffside and you overlook into the ocean. And, uh, the day I went was super sunny, um, a little bit of clouds, but it was a perfect day. And out in the ocean, there's rock formations just jutting out of the water and it's so beautiful uh, to look at and just the sun, the way it hit, uh, I was just in awe right from the beginning. And I walked down to the beach, you kind of come off the cliff side um, and you come down to the beach and there were people on the beach already. Um, And, you know, since there's already two cars, I'm assuming there's those two cars, but uh, they were just camping out, having a good time. And um, I kept walking down past them because there's, so much to see you you follow the beach down i followed it south about maybe a mile and a half maybe two more miles and i passed a dead whale do i know what kind of whale it was absolutely not it was decomposing but it was huge <laughs> it was awesome um passed a whale and then kept walking down around this little uh cove i went i got into this little rocky cove and there was an eagle's nest above me and I don't know if I got too close to the eagle's nest or what, but an, I heard an eagle fly right over my head. I don't know how close it was. I wasn't looking up. I, all I heard was just the wind coming off of the wings and the sheer force from the wind off the wings. And this is not a windy day. This is, wasn't the wind coming off of the cliffside. This is the wind from the eagle flying over my head. It was awesome. I wasn't scared at all because I, I, I didn't know if I was near a nest or not at the time. Um, I just, you know, wings. That was it. And I mean, th- this place was magnificent. Like I, like I said, I can't get, I can't talk enough about this place. And when I was standing there and I was soaking in the moment, that's when I knew I was in the right place. That's when I knew I was supposed to be in Washington at that time. Because when I moved out there, it was a a big decision. It was right after I graduated college and I had the opportunity to move out there and I just on a whim went for it because I needed to get the hell out of Utah. But you, you have those doubts, those doubts kind of surface up and you're wondering if you're making the right decision because you're out on your own. And at the time I didn't really know anybody. I didn't have a good job. Um, I had an, I mean, I had a good job. I shouldn't say I didn't have a good job. I had a job it was interesting. It was fun. I learned a lot, but it wasn't like my dream job, of course. And nobody ever starts out doing their dream job unless they're incredibly lucky, which is a very, very small percentage. But anyway, I knew where I was supposed to be. It was in that moment. I knew I was supposed to be there. And so I used that moment in several other moments. There was moments when I was in college that I knew I was supposed to be there. There was moments in high school that I knew I was supposed to be there. I, and when I say there, I meant like, you know, being in, being in the swim team. I wanted to quit swimming before high school and, you know, throughout high school, uh, I learned a lot and there was a time in high school when I was just in the middle of practice. Um, and I knew that I was meant to be there. 
and in college, I knew that I was meant to be there when I was coaching a lacrosse team and, you know, going through my degree. So there are certain moments where you are reassured that where you're supposed to be is where you're supposed to be. And those doubts just kind of fade away. Now it happens for me, it happens about every four years. I've been able to reflect upon how often those reassurances come and about every four, four and a half years, they happen to me. So my impatience that it, it, when it starts to stir up within me, I kind of reflect upon those instances or those times where I knew that I was supposed to be where I'm at. And then my impatience just dissolves. And then I kind of, you know, do the full tilt, lean in and just trudge away, trudge, run, scramble, whatever you want to say. But they are great reminders that I can be as impatient as I, as impatient as I want to be. I can ask myself, why am I not there as many times as I want? But I will always remind myself that I am where I'm supposed to be right now. I'm supposed to be in this dark place. I'm supposed to be in this good place. I'm supposed to be in this okay place because it's meant for me. It's meant for my time, my moment. And this moment will lead me to the next moment and the next moment and the next moment. And then I'll start putting the pieces together and I'll start realizing that every time I doubted my path was where my, basically there was a fork in the road. Whenever I doubted my path, there was a fork in the road. I chose the path that was best for me. And then I am reassured later that I chose the right path. So whenever you ever, if you've ever feel doubts, if you feel like what you're doing is a waste of time, what you're doing is against the grain of what you feel, ref try to reflect upon a time where you felt like you were in the right place at the right time, where you met the right people at the right time. Do a lot of reflection upon where you've been and then where you want to go. And then th think about the moment you're in right now. Think about what you can learn, what you can apply, what you haven't applied yet. Maybe there's something you learned in the past that you've forgotten about and you just haven't, you know, all you had to do is just think about, okay, what did I learn back then? Oh, I can apply it now. Boom. Move forward. And patience is a blessing because you have to start thinking about what you need to be patient for. And I, I love ironies in a sense like that. Contradictions. Because there's yin and yang, there's a balance to it. You have to have one to have the other. So if you aren't being impatient and you're being a super patient person, that's great. Like you're letting things happen, right? But are you letting things happen fast enough? Are you kind of coasting through life a little bit too much? Doesn't sound like a bad thing, but it could be a bad thing. My dad would think it'd be a bad thing if I was coasting through life right now. I mean, that'd be awesome, but I would have him in the back of my mind just be like, okay, you gotta be doing more. Gotta be doing more. Gotta be doing more. Uh, which is also motivating in itself. But anyway, think about your impatience. Think about where you want to be, what you want to do, where you've been. And then think about that power versus uh, force. Because that, 
that'll definitely t- help you tie into it too. All right, people. Greatness is upon you. Let's get after it. <laughs>